For Arizona Public Media, I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor Emerita in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Our guest today is Evan McLean, Assistant Professor in the School of Anthropology. Evan uses biological anthropology and comparative psychology to study animal minds and in part that's so that he can understand human minds better. Thanks for joining us today, Evan. Happy to be here. So you've told me that in college you started out in clinical psych, but that was because you wanted to figure out what made humans tick. And you realized you really needed to look at other species to try to figure out what it is that's evolved uh, differently uh, across species to get a, a better take on what makes our minds unique. Can you tell us about that uh, change in thinking that you went through? Sure. Well, you're exactly right. Like a lot of uh, psychology students, I was interested in humans and why we do the things we do, why the thoughts in our head are the way they are. Um, and I thought that through uh, clinical psychology, maybe I'd get answers to those questions. Um, but I realized that the answers I was finding were, um, they, didn't, they weren't as deep as I was, I was hoping. And I really wanted sort of deeper answers to questions about fundamentally why humans are the way that we are. And it turns out that those are answers that I think are best answered from um, uh, an evolutionary perspective. What, what are you finding that's especially interested about the way dogs work? Broadly, we study uh, animal minds and animal intelligence, but one of the big issues we have to grapple with is what do we even mean when we talk about intelligence? Is this just sort of one thing? Is it is it that you know some animals are simply smarter than others? Um, are humans smarter than all animals? And what we find is that we want to get rid of that um, that idea very quickly from the get-go. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about intelligence as one uh, sort of underlying trait. There's actually different kinds of intelligence that evolution has prepared animals with to solve the specific kinds of problems that they face in nature. For example, there are birds and rodents that have incredible memory for um, where they've put things in space and they can come back and dig up seeds that they've buried months and months ago up to, you know, 20,000 20, different hiding locations. And, you know, I couldn't find my car keys this morning, <laughs> right? Um, and, and they're remarkable in that way. But in if you ask about their cognition in other ways, they're, they're not particularly remarkable compared to other species. In addition to dogs, you also work with a number of other species, including chimps and bonobos. Can you tell us about that work? Yeah, well, if we want to understand what makes humans unique, one of the most natural places to look is to try and look at our closest living relatives. And we actually have two closest living relatives. Many people know that chimpanzees are one of our closest living relatives, but we're also equally related to another great ape species known as the bonobo. And so we've done a lot of work uh, trying to understand similarities and differences in the psychology of chimpanzees, bonobos, and humans. And in particular, the work with humans is often done with young children because we're interested in essentially the, the nature of the human mind before we've been ex exposed to lots and lots of culture and, and grown up in environments that can you know, no doubt change the way that our minds work. And one of the um, main discoveries from that kind of research is that what seems to be special about humans is that our our minds are prepared to engage in culture from a, a very, very young age. And by the time babies are uh, 9 to 12 months, they begin spontaneously doing things that we never see at any point in the lives of chimpanzees or bonobos. They're often simple things um, like using gestures to cooperate and communicate with others. So little nine-month-old babies just spontaneously start extending their finger to, to show mom or dad something. And they do this not because they want you to, to get something for them. They do this because they want to share their experience of the world with you in some way. 
And uh, just around the same time that babies begin producing these gestures, they start to understand what these gestures mean when others produce them for the child. So the big sort of surprise about chimpanzees and bonobos is that they don't do this. Um, and there's never been a single observation of a chimpanzee or bonobo pointing in nature to show another animal something. And at the same time, when we do studies with chimpanzees and bonobos, and we try to use these kinds of gestures to help them, to tell them things cooperatively, they don't seem to understand the meaning uh, of those gestures. So where this relates to dogs is that dogs seem to have a very similar sensitivity to these kinds of cooperative communication, cooperative communicative gestures that uh, young children do. And we think that this is an unusual sort of parallel between dogs and humans, and that dogs, uh, although their minds in many ways are quite different than our own, there are aspects of the way they understand the social world that are very similar to, to humans. Thanks very much. Thanks, it's been fun. You can hear this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.